We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. But look, you got to do this because this is what keeps the show on, man. I mean, this is what we do. Me and Kel sleep on these things. We keep it real. Like, I like good sleep, and I'm going to need some after this weekend. If you didn't know, this is going to be a crazy week in pro wrestling. MMA, a little bit of boxing sprinkled in, but we want to start with the Olympics. It's coming to a close. It's giving great storylines. You know, Usain Bolt just styling on people, looking back. All that stuff is great. Gymnastics was amazing, but I want to talk about Ryan Lochte lying to his mama. What's wrong with your boy, man? Yo, the lie was so intricate. Like, he, he really was watching nothing but gangster movies on Netflix. Like, he thought he was Nino in the Carter. Like, yo, the gun's to my head. I ain't flinching. 
Like, let's go. Gangsta Ryan Lochte with gray hair. Man, how old is Ryan Lochte to be doing garbage like this? Older than me. Too damn old. He's like 32. That's what I'm saying. Like, why Why are you fabricating? <laughs> like, 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 why are you doing, you know, the, the reverse of gangster rap, right? Like, this is mad corny, man. And, CB4. MC Gusto. Man, I don't know, man. This, I, I don't know how you get away. Like, if, if it was me doing this, it would be, like, a bigger issue. I, I've seen things where like, oh, you know, kids will be kids. No, he's 32, dog. Like, why, why are you out here acting like a fool? Like, why are you fabricating stories? I don't understand. I really don't understand this thing with, with Ryan Lochte. The grown-ass um, man, dog. Well, I mean, what, what, is, what is his purpose? What's his point? Well, it all started with him lying to his mama. He went out. He had a little bit too much to drink. It looks like him and his boys kicked in a convenience store, bathroom, wrecked it. You know, they got kicked out by security on the spot. They made up this crazy story, and they kind of just had to run with it. He made it up, bounced from the country. His boys are detained, and his mama put it out to the media, and it blew up. And he was like, yo, I just got to run with it. I look like a superhero. Oh, my God. He thought he was Daredevil for a second. I, I don't know. He And he ran with the story, and it had so many holes in it. It came back, hit him in the face. Just, I mean, <sighs> you know, I don't even know what to say. But look, like, when I see stuff like this, like, you're an Olympic swimmer. It's like, this is not even your first time around. Like, you should know that situation like this is going to come back up and blow up in your face. Like, how do you not know this is going to happen? You can't get away from these things, man. Yeah, you, you just would, can't. You would think he'd have common sense by the age of 32, but he doesn't. I need to ask you, though. Your mama don't listen to this podcast, hopefully. And if nah. she does, tell her not to listen to this episode. What is the worst lie you've told to your mama? Well, we'd have to talk about my grandmother. because uh, Okay, I was my, raised... mine is for my grandma, too. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, great. my mama didn't raise me. It was my grandmother. Um, what was the worst lie I ever told to my grandmother? Man. Yo, I told... The one... Oh. My worst lie is probably still going on to this day. Oh, shit. What? My shit ain't come clean yet. So when I... When I was 10, yo, in New York, everything went through phases uh, before Razor scooters and all that. I had rollerblades. Before rollerblades, everyone wanted BMX bikes. So everyone, the entire hood, like imagine just mad hood kids, like apartments um, on the block, projects. Everyone had tricked out BMX bikes. Like your handlebars had to spin. You had to have pegs on it, all that. So I had like a shiny chrome and gold mongoose. I remember those. And it had like the little sprockets in the handlebar, so they do 360s and spin mad fast. Had the fat gold pegs on the back and the front, like we're going to grind on the benches in the parks. So I, oh man, I badgered them for it. I badgered both my grandparents for it, and they went half on it. And the deal was, is that I got to bring it back and forth from each grandparent's spot. So I used to catch cabs over there, throw my bike in the trunk of a cab, because it was that small, I was kind of small, dude, and then ride it over back and forth. So coming from one grandma's house to the other, I lived um, with my mom's mother, and in the backyards of where I lived, you can see it from the side of the block. So if you're coming down the hill on the side of the block, you can see everyone's backyards for like 20 houses and look into the backyard. I left my bike outside. Like, I, no one locked it up. No, I was playing ball or something. I just left it in the backyard. I didn't bring it in the garage. Um, or not garage. I didn't bring it into the basement. And it was just outside chilling. And I went out the next day. It was gone. I was like, 
damn. Like, yo, I had it for maybe two weeks. I was like, yo, they really got me for my bike. And I was like, what can I say? I can't say nothing. So I told my grandma, my mom's mother. I was like, yo, I have it at my grandma Janice's house. I went over to my grandma Janice's house that weekend. She was like, why isn't your bike in the trunk? I was like, nah, you know what? I'm just leaving it over there from now on. They got better places for me to ride. And I just rode it out. And they just never asked about the bike again. Neither have seen the bike since that day. I had it for two weeks. So the lie continues. Well, that's congratulations. <laughs> like, I don't even know how you pulled that one off, man. I don't, man, you'll have to ask me this another day. I was a heinous, terrible kid. So, um, <laughs> running the streets of Vegas. You, you don't got one lie. You just can't even out yourself. I can't, I can't really think of one, man. I mean, my whole life was crazy. I mean, not crazy. I wasn't a bad kid and like nothing too crazy. I just did dumb shit. You know, I, I like, I think there were, there was a couple times where, you know, me and my homeboy went out. And to the strip, and I told my grandmother I was going to hang out with my boys, and I met up with some chicks and took them back to my grandmother's apartment, you know, did the do, um, but didn't come back home till like, the next day. <laughs> and I can't remember what I told my grandmother. I left at, like, 6 p.m., didn't come back like, 3 in the afternoon the following day. And uh, she got me, because with the lie, because I straight up told her, you know, I was with my boys, I'll be back. I'm a, I think I told her I was going to sleep over his house, and I didn't do that. I was just running the streets, and she caught me in the lab by hiding in the closet and moving the car. So when I came home with my boy, it was like, we thought we got over. I thought my grandma was out gambling or whatever. She jumped out the closet and was like, got you, motherfuckers. And I was like, oh, God. And my grandmother's an old Italian white woman. So <laughs> she don't like, it's not, when, she, when she's upset, it's like filth flooring, filth coming out of her mouth. My boy was like frightened because, you know, it's like whose grandmother like hides in the closet. But I lied. I told her I was sleeping over his house and she probably called his house. I don't know how she figured it out. But yeah, we was just, we was just up on some chicks until like the next day. Like, I don't know what happened to those girls. We were like 15 too. It was, it was, it was just some grand shit. But that's that, that wild Vegas capital life right there. Yo, people, like, listen, man, people don't understand Las Vegas is very unique in structure for for the things that kids do like we don't have a lot of shit to do so we just get into a lot of trouble because it's not like there's nowhere to go it's like it's the strip and you can't really do nothing on the strip you can't really hang out at the casino as a you know 15 16 year old so you you just run the streets and it's wild cowboy shootouts happen in vegas all the time and i was always just telling fibs to my grandmother just so i could be out running the streets that like 14 through 16 rec center life was no joke Mm, no, nah, it was just going up to Doolittle, like, yo, who, who are we just gonna chill with tonight? Hitting up the party line. Oh my god, I remember all that. It's what? just I was killing it back then, killing yeah. it. Oh, yo, like I said, man, people <laughs> that people that know me will be surprised. Like I wasn't, a, like I said, I wasn't a bad student. I was just always into some shit. Like I was always into to some shit. I shouldn't have been. I should. I was at parties too late. I was chasing girls around all the time, and just. I had like a, you remember like senior ditch day? Like yeah. It, so I had like senior ditch day part. Oh, that might be the biggest one. All right. Listeners are like, get to the wrestling. Shut up. Just deal with this. So <laughs> we were like 15, 16 years old. Me and my homeboy, Rasheen, decided that we were going to have a senior ditch day party at sophomores at my grandmother's apartment. And my grandmother stayed in, like we stayed nearby Crack Alley, which is by the Boulevard Mall, for those who have no idea what Vegas is like. So I told my grandmother I was going to school, and what I did, what I did is I stayed in bed. And this is like I'm dating myself here. We had pages, we didn't have cell phones, so I, you know, all, everybody was beeping me like, "What time to come to your house?" 
So my grandmother was like, are you going to school? And she left. And right then, I, was, I paged everybody. I was like, yo, come through. I had like 50, 60 people in like a two-bedroom apartment. Shit was <laughs> mad, weed, and whatever. But what happened was everybody was pulling up to my spot. And my boy, Rasheed, was like outside directing traffic. Like, here, park here, park here. My grandmother comes back. And like I had to make everybody stand. I was like, there's like mad people outside of my apartment but like hiding in their cars. And my grandma was like, why are you not at school? And I, you know, I was like, oh, I got a cough. I think I'm going to stay home. So long story short, we had the senior this day party. Where did my- your grandma go? She went to work. She went back to work. Like she didn't think nothing of it. She was like, all right. <laughs> she was like, I'm running late. She had forgot a like, purse or something. She's like, I'm running late. All right, make sure your ass is in school. I'm like, cool. I, I signal out the window. Everybody runs back into my house. We're playing like NBA Live. Like people are smoking weed. There's like, and this is, I'm a sophomore, dog. Like, I'm not a senior. I'm a sophomore having a senior ditch day party. And eventually, like, one thing leads to another. Most of the people leave. Me and my boy keep some chicks with us, and it goes down. My grandmother comes back home while it's going down. And immediately, she makes a beeline for my room, and my boy is smashing hit a girl in my room, and I was in my grandmother's room. So he okay, got- wait, that's the dirtiest shit ever. But everyone has done that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just so grimy. Yeah. So yeah. she comes home and makes a beeline from my room. Meanwhile, I'm shoving the chick into the bathroom behind her back so she can't see. And, you know, she flips out, catches my boy. Like, she basically, like, karate kicks the door down, catches my boy with this naked chick. I'm like, Grandma, I didn't even know. And <laughs> she's like, what? She's crying. Like, she's like, how does my 15-year-old son, grandson do this? And then I'm like, oh, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, Grandma. We just came home from school. I didn't know what was happening. But the problem was is that the property manager at the apartment complex took pictures of my senior ditch day party and revealed them to her. <laughs> <laughs> so it made it. She was like, well, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, and, and not only does she take pictures, like my folks are posing for the pictures. And I'm like, you fucking idiots. Like, we're getting in trouble. Why are you taking, like... Got on like Calvin Klein t-shirts and polo shirts and like posing and and like with weed in her hand and my grandma just like flipped the fuck out like that was probably because I because I got caught in the lie and then when I got busted I continued like oh I just came home from school and we were just hanging out with these girls no man I had a fucking insane ass party at my grandma's <laughs> apartment so that probably is the worst lie let's get on with the combat sports goddamn it that shit was so bananas listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah I. Woo! All right, yeah, yeah. Your sophomore year rivals my sophomore year. I was at least just drunk. I ain't never get drunk in my crib. Everybody, I went to other people's house parties. Oh, man, Dude. my shit was legendary, dog. I mean, I'm not even saying this. Woo. People that know me in Vegas know, like, what happened with our crew when we had, like, ditch parties in my house. Like, it went down. People from your crew are still throwing parties in Vegas. Yeah, they are, actually. That's, is that, is what, that is all people need to know. When people from your crew are still on flyers promoting parties, it's, it's probably something y'all were good at. Yeah, man, we were we were great at it. We just got a, man. I'm just saying, we just got we got ourselves into a lot of shit. People, you know, people say, "Why don't you write something about this?" I think one day I am because now so much time has passed, and to understand the complexities of trying to navigate the landscape of Las Vegas without cell phones, having pagers, and and just in the '90s with hip hop and Biggie and Tupac when that shit was going down. Yeah, man, it was wild. It could be like dope. You got it. Maybe. You got, you got the next big hit. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, let's talk about UFC 202 because that's what people came to hear about. Uh, Conor McGregor, wilding out. You 
showed up yesterday. You did all the interviews, you know, hard man at work. But yeah. the day before, McGregor showed up 30 minutes late to the presser. And Nate Diaz wasn't having it. I swear McGregor was there for like five minutes before Nate walked out. And that's where all the craziness started happening. Yeah, man. I mean, I guess Nate felt disrespected by kind of showing up late for the presser. It was like, well, the show's over. Got up and left. And then, you know, middle fingers up, you know, uh, expletives are exchanged and water bottles stop flying. Now, so the question is this, though. Is Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor's head heading into Saturday night? No. No, not at all. Um, if anything, Conor is now wearing on Nate. Nate didn't have to go through the, the full r- rigmarole of selling a fight last time. This time, Nate had to sell everything. And now Nate shows up on time and all this stuff. This is what Conor does to everyone. Conor's always late. Conor always makes the other person wait. They're always on his time. This is the things that last time, since it was a 10-day buildup, Nate didn't have to go through. Now Nate's showing, like, it's a little prickly for Nate. Now it's like, oh, I've been here for 40 minutes. He's honest to God, he's only obligated to be there for, like, 40 minutes. He answered all the questions he had to answer. Him walking off isn't that bad of a thing. He did everything he was, you know, contracted to do. Connor showed up late. So he wa- he's walking off and him flipping Connor off. This is what Connor wants. Connor loves doing this to his opponents. Before, Nate didn't play into it. The first fight, Nate didn't play into it. He's like, I don't care. We're just going to fight. Blah, blah, blah. He, he got Connor by being super calm. He didn't care about none of that shit. And then this fight is more characteristic of every other Connor fight. You can ah. run back. This is, this is Jose Aldo wilding out when Connor touches his belt. This is Mendez, who's been quiet all his career. Finally popping off. Connor has done this to everyone. And Nate's finally, finally felt for the trap. He finally stepped into Connor's realm. Connor could do this shit all day. I don't know, man. I, I kind of think it's vice versa. I think, like, this is Nate being Nate. Like, there's, there's, with this feud that's going on, I don't think Connor's in Nate's head. I think it's the other way around. And the reason I say this is because Nate. I don't want to use the term like they people. Some I think there was like a, a movie or something. Was like you're too stupid to understand that you're getting insulted, and it's not calling Nate stupid, but Nate is basically on in, on his own planet, and Nate does shit on Nate's time. And when Connor's late, Nate left, and he wasn't mad. He he doesn't care. Nate Nate doesn't care about any of these things. In my personal opinion, no, he just and, wants to fight. And when I see Connor get mad and he's throwing bottles, I feel like Nate's kind of in his head. And got kind of a little pissed off. I don't like. I don't think Nate has, has handled this any differently than he would handle any other fight. He's kind of impervious to the bullshit. He's impervious to trash talk because you can't really get under his skin. Like you've never seen Connor say anything, and Nate's really like, "You really pissed me off." He just kind of shuts him down, and I enjoy that about Nate Diaz. And this is why I always felt like Nate should have been a star. Like the UFC is way too late to pull the trigger on Nate and Nick Diaz and making them household names because they're. they're the cavalier approach to everything, like, I don't really give a fuck, let's just fight, is probably the, the single most thing that they do differently than anybody on the roster. And that's like the entire Stockton crew. But they didn't, they, I can't blame the UFC because they didn't beat a top-level guy. The UFC continued to put them in positions to win belts, to beat top-level guys, and they really never got over the hump. This was the first time where they beat a marquee guy, and the UFC pushed them to the moon. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I understand, like, you know, like, Nate's got a, an average record. If Nick um, would have beat GSP, it would have been the same exact thing. This would have been Nick's push. I just feel like in... I mean, it's a whole other conversation in itself. I feel like the UFC does a terrible job waiting to promote big stars. Like, I feel like you, when you see something, whether they're winning or losing, like, you know, like Arturo Gotti didn't win every fight. Mickey Ward didn't ever win every fight, but they had wars. You know, you have, you have those guys that you just, they, they have great personalities, and they put on fun fights. And ultimately, that's what fans want, want to see is fun fights. Like, you can promote your, your Ronda Rousey's and Conor McGregor's as invincible. You can push them to the moon. But it's, when they lose, it changes everything. The Diaz brothers have a cult following for a reason, and people just want to see them fight. And people that see them fight, you know, it's talking shit in the middle of a fight, flipping off the bird. Like, those are guys that, that people will gravitate towards. Stocks and slaps. Yeah, it's, they're just different. And they're, just, they, they're a different makeup, makeup. And, like, when you talk to Nate, like, I've interviewed Nate quite a few times. I've interviewed Nick quite a few times, even over the phone and in person. Their approach never changes. And when, when no matter who's talking shit about them or who, who says what, they're the same fucking fighter. And they're, and they're better at getting into other people's heads than people ever have been at getting into their head. So how this plays out tomorrow night on Saturday night at UFC 202 will be quite interesting because McGregor feels like he's got to make a statement. Diaz, not so much. Diaz just needs to win a fight. There's no pressure on Diaz. Win or lose, no pressure. If he loses, he's probably guaranteed a third fight down the road. Of course he um, is. If he wins, he shuts down Conor McGregor, he gets a tower fight. There's no pressure on him. All the pressure's on McGregor. And to me, I think McGregor loves the chaos. To him, this is what he does. When it's not chaotic, it is weird. He loves this chaos. He's done it against every other fighter. He, he's the same guy who jumped over the octagon after winning and got in Jose Aldo's face. He loves that. He had to get back to being the villain. He was too much of the face for a second. He wants to be the bad guy. He wants to be the heel. So throwing monster energy bottles and cans across a press conference is getting him back there. That's the mindset Connor needs to win. He needs to be the bad guy. He's, yeah. he's not a good face at all. And, and he's trying to get back to that Connor. Well, that's that's why I think there's a so difference here. I maybe think there's... he didn't mess up Nate because once again, like you said, Nate doesn't care. No, he's impervious to this shit. Yeah, like if there's anyone that, honest to God, doesn't care, Nate Diaz doesn't care. He's just like, yo, whatever. We're gonna see each other on Saturday. You say whatever you want. I just think, uh, like when you mentioned Connor with the face heel thing, I think Connor has to put thought into it, and that's what makes it different. Like the fact that you have to think about what you're doing. Nate doesn't think about what he's doing ever. Connor thinks about what he's doing, just like the John Cena's comments at the the uh, the uh, media day that we were at, like the the well placed WWE comments. Like Connor thinks about these things. He's great off the cuff, but I think he has he shapes and molds his image his own way. Meanwhile, Nate just doesn't give a shit what his image looks like. Just give me the check. So, like I said, I don't know how it translates on Saturday night. Um, I it doesn't change my prediction, which we we can start doing momentarily, but. I think it's it's really interesting uh, to watch, you know, kind of flip out and throw those bottles and not just, you know, diss Nate and allow him to walk out the building. Like, he just, he kind of went to a place that I didn't expect Connor to go. It definitely helped the fight sell, though, right? To me, this is what the fight needed. Before this, no one knew it was even happening. I mean, I don't know, like, how much this stuff sells fights. Like, I want I like to think that it does. I was I like watching to- his and hers, and, because uh, I was listening to a podcast version of it and michael smith was like yo i'm buying the fight he's like this is it they sold me on it 
He was like, I'm rooting for Nate Diaz, and I'm buying the fight. I guess that makes sense. I, I was mean, like, oh, shit. Well, this is what they needed. Like, he was like, I don't care if it's staged or not staged. He was like, these two, it felt real, and I'm buying it to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was staged. I don't think any of that whatsoever was staged. I don't, I don't think this is a fight that, you know, Dana White and the UFC brass are like, listen, guys, you need to stir up some shit before the fight. They could do that on their own. Um, I just am never sure how much controversy sells fights. I, I like to think that it does because I'm childish like that. I like to think that when people push like to at the weigh-in, I like to think that if somebody gets punched in the face at the weigh-in, everybody in the mainstream is going to talk about it because MMA still doesn't get the attention it deserves in mainstream outlets. So, uh, I mean, when this is like, on every outlet, though. Yeah, when this stuff happens, when when Jones and Cormier are John at each other, calling each other pussies, when the mics are hot, still hot, that's what gets people intrigued. People will call it childish. I think it it, it, it helps draw. Um, I don't know how, how significantly it does. I, I know the UFC 202 is not sold out. I know T-Mobile slashed their tickets by 20% to fill up this building. So I guess every little bit helps. Definitely. And I don't know if you get a groundswell of people coming here. Once again, it's a tough spot for them to be in. The Olympics were red hot. The start of NFL season's right around the corner. That's taken a lot of eyes. Um, you, you have... A huge wrestling weekend that we're going to talk about later in SummerSlam. Yeah, and you just had 200. You just had UFC 200 last month. And Conor was supposed to be on that card. So right. it was like, can the Irish people who already booked flights for that, who bought tickets for that, who had to still come and watch Brock Lesnar, can they re-up in two months and come support Conor again? I don't think so. I think some of those people were like, fuck it. Yeah, so <laughs> like, that, no. that hurts a ton. A lot of people don't realize that. Like, the Irish people who usually pack... Las Vegas, maybe a third of them can't come back out. Yep. Because you, you jerked them the first time. It's hurts, and it's, it's a long flight to Vegas. It's not like going from Ireland to New York. You know, the Garden is it's an easier, shorter flight. You got to take another five hours on that flight. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the energy is. Um, you ready to start talking about these predictions? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Um, we'll work our way up the card. The only prelim, uh, UFC Fight Pass prelim, fight that we'll probably predict is Neil Magny versus Lorenz Larkin. Another good fight pass, uh, I guess, main event for a fight pass. It's a great fight. It is a great fight. I hate this on fight pass. I'm getting, you know, fight pass has become the new Facebook for the UFC, and fighters have to act like they like the, to be in that position. Where, but the problem is, is that, like, 90% of the people that I know that I'm cool with that are very either very casual MMA fans or like the sport – but they're not, they don't like it enough to buy fight pass. So they're going to end up missing this fight. And if you're a guy like Lorenz Larkin, who's got dynamic stand-up and who's pretty flashy at times, or Neil Magny, who's creeping towards a welterweight title shot, being on fight pass kind of sucks. Yeah, no, it's a horrible position. But if you're on fight pass, you just you hope and you pray and you cross your fingers that the FS1 prelim card has a lot of knockouts and they got to replay your fight. Yeah, I mean, that's what you hope for. So... This fight, um, I like Larkin, but I think Neil Magny's reach and the fact that he's shown that he can weather the storm like he did against Hector Lombard means, and then plus his, his grappling, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of things that Neil does well that I think he'll, he'll get a unanimous decision victory against Larkin. It'll be hard fought, but I don't know if Larkin can overcome that reach. No, Larkin showed like great power recently. His striking has definitely improved. Uh, he just looks more comfortable at this weight. But he does. Neil Magny, uh, he's the man that does everything well. He's not exemplary at anything, per se. But, man, he just beats people who are, one, specialist, 
And two, he find he always has the next puzzle piece, the next chess piece to take you out of your comfort zone. And there's no answer for length. You can't teach that, as nah. Big Cass says. Yeah. So, man, Neil's taking this, and he'll find a way to dissect Lorenz. He's not taking him out of there. Um, if he gets, you know, maybe a submission, I don't see it, but I, I think he goes all three, and Neil wins the decision. Sounds good. So let's let's boost up this uh, prelim card on Fox Sports One. Yep. Um, not a whole lot to talk about here. I mean, we got Rocky Pennington and Elizabeth Phillips. I'm, I'm sure we're both picking Rocky, Rocky. Pennington. Yep. Um, Artem Lobo versus Chris Avila, which is now interesting because Artem's from Connor's camp and Chris is from Nate's camp. Um, so that that's got a little incentive on it, but I'm, I'm sure you're probably picking Artem for that fight. I'm definitely picking Artem. I mean, if uh, Chris pulls the upset, though, that'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I talked to Chris. It was funny because I talked to Chris yesterday. And then I was just, in my head, when I was talking to him, I was like, oh, are you Stockton guys like this? Because he talks with the same, like, cadence and slow flow that, that Nate delivers. So it was like, he was like, man, I don't care. I just want to check. And Arden was just like, I'm going to teach this kid a lesson. So I'm like, all right, cool. This could be fun. I don't know how it sets the tone for the rest of the card. But, yeah, obviously Arden's going to, I'm picking Arden to win that fight. I've never um, been to Stockton, but I just picture it like everyone just hot boxed the hell out of Stockton. And there's just like <laughs> a lot of fumes. And everyone's just on a permanent buzz up there. That's what it feels like, man. It definitely feels like that. Um, Randall Marcos, Courtney Casey. Courtney's kind of new to seeing Randall's in a must-win situation. Um, picking Randall, no big deal there. Uh, uh, I'm going to take Courtney just because I, I, Randall's in a must-win situation for a reason. Yeah. And, I, yeah. you know, every now and then the, the upstart, the new person that comes in wins. I don't know much about Courtney, but I, I think Randall is kind of on her way out. Yeah, I can't really give an educated guess, but we'll see what happens. So then we have the headliner, Cody Garbrandt versus Takei Mitsugaki. Um, the gatekeeper. Is, that is. Yeah, this is exactly what it is. I mean, Mitsugaki's put in this position for a reason. He's a durable guy, but let's be honest here. The UFC is pushing Cody Garbrandt, and for that reason, they've matched him up with somebody who's tough, but yet he can showcase his ability against. I don't know anybody that's going to pick Mitsugaki to win, and I'm definitely not. I think Cody Garbrandt may finish him in the second round. I think Cody Garbrandt gets him out in the first and just shocks the world. That's what he's there for. You know, he, he's there to show off that power, show off those hands, and he has to take out a, a hard-nosed grizzly veteran to do so. Um, that's what they're going to play it up as, and that's why he's on free television leading up to it. His knockout's going to make people, if they didn't buy the pay-per-view, question themselves why they didn't. Or the people who did pay by the pay-per-view, he's going to get them real hyped to see the main card. So Cody's in a perfect position. After this, he has to be either the number one contender's fight or the title fight, though. Mm, that's, I mean, yeah, he could be. It's, it's, it's strange because as much as I, I've been talking about Cody Garbrandt for the last couple of years now, I've been, been, ever since I've seen him debut in the UFC, I've been talking about Cody. I'm getting a little concerned because I feel like he may be getting fast-tracked to a position where... He may be in over his head against a Dominic Cruz or a TJ Dillashaw. You never know until he's in there. I know. And he's seen TJ. So, if anything, maybe put him in with TJ first. But it looks like TJ's just going to get a rematch for his title. Um, he kind of deserves. I he mean, does. TJ, yeah, he, he's done enough to get a rematch while everybody else is getting these bullshit fights. TJ's done enough. So I thought he'd get like a Dodson, but Dodson got booked. Yeah, so, he's booked with John Lineker. Which yeah, is which is a great fight. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, eh, it, it, there's no one else for Cody really to go after. I mean, there's Brian Caraway still. Oh, Caraway would be a great fight. But Caraway's going to be upset. Yeah, he's, he's going to get leapfrogged. But I mean, a Garbrandt Caraway fight makes sense 
in, in the sense that you want to really test out Cody Garbrandt with opposition that's going to take him down and wrestle him. And I like, Mr. Gaki's not going to be able to do that. Um, yeah, but we'll see, obviously. But, you know, we'll talk about the future of Cody Garbrandt after we see him at 202 this weekend. We're both picking Gar- <clears throat> Garbrandt to win. So let's go to the main card. Um, Tim Means is getting a last-minute co- opponent against uh, Saba Hamasi. Uh, I think we're both picking Tim Means here. Am I wrong? No, Tim Means, definitely. Last-minute opponents, this it yeah. is what it is. It's a showcase of, sorry, here, take your money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Means has been in a tough spot. You know, he got popped for the uh, the, the drug test and this. His uh, nutritionist, his supplier for his nutrients, basically bailed on him and left him hanging. Um, all they had to do was give, you know, give the UFC the stock number um, because, you know, Tim has relied on the supplement company for years. So it w- really wasn't his fault. So he's had a, kind of a tough time. Um, but means to bounce back from all this bullshit, get the, the knockout of Hamasi. Um, Hyung-Yu Lin against Mike Perry, really kind of weird that this is on the main card. Um, and I'm picking Lim, but... Whatever, I don't care. It's like a fluffer fight. Yeah, it's the it's divas cool. match, not not the new, the old but used to be the divas match. Yes, right. Use the bathroom. I'm gonna be at Shake Shack using that second fifteen dollar voucher. Right, exactly. So if you're in the building, come see me. Catch me with a strawberry shake. Yeah, I'm spending all that goddamn money. So Lim over Perry. Um, well, you know what? I, let me let me take that back. <laughs> let me take that back. I'm actually picking Mike Perry. If I remember correctly, Perry is like 7-0 with seven knockouts. And I know it's a big step up for him, but whatever. Maybe he'll show out. I'm going to pick him. You're picking Mike Perry. Yeah, why not? Um, I'm going to go with Lim. Just because making your UFC debut on the main card is rough. Like, you know, it takes people a while. Yeah, it does. You know, the, the lights, and they get no brighter than fighting on a Conor McGregor card. It's it's not easy, but yeah, six wins, six KOs, twenty four years old. Well, he's actually seven and zero. He corrected us yesterday because he went to Sheridan and he's like, "You got to get my shit right." So he's seven and zero with seven knockouts. Oh, gotcha! Uh, right. You guys do an amazing job. Though. I'm surprised that's not updated yet. I know. Uh, Needs to be updated. No, but yeah, man. I listen. You got knockout power. You got a chance. Twenty four years old though. Sometimes the lights are just a little too bright. I, I wish him all the best, but I'll go with Lim. By decision, and uh, you know Perry just learns and then comes back and starts wrecking stuff. All right, so let's move on. Um, the first fight that actually matters on the main card to both of us: Rick Story versus Donald Cerrone. Cerrone in the welterweight division has looked good. He looked strong yesterday when I saw him, but Rick Story is a durable guy. Um, I'm gonna let you pick first on this one. Cerrone finishes Rick Story. Mm, Horror really? story. Yeah, Cerrone in my mind is a lot like. I don't know, like the Uriah Fabers of the world, where as long as he's not fighting a champion or a former champion, I'm not ever picking against him. Mm. That's it. Like, he only loses to the top, top, top guys, and every other time, he finishes people in grand fashion. Whether it's knockout, crazy submission, I I, I think he wears them down, and he gets, you know, second-round stoppage. Um, I like Cerrone, but... I think it's going to be a lot tougher than people expect. They have a lot of people have Cerrone as the favorite, and I think Story has been in there with some tough opposition. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that Cerrone is going to get him out of there. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Rick Story because you know, I think he's like a plus one forty in this fight. But I'm picking Cerrone for the victory. I think he's been rolling through the welterweight division. He's looked good. Uh, his finish of Patrick Hotel was probably one of his best performances all around to date, um, standing up and on the ground. So. 
And, and it's it's Cerrone, man. Once Cerrone gets rolling, he, he's 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 great. I mean, he's great to watch, but Story's a tough guy. I don't think he knocks him out. I think this fight goes to distance and Cerrone gets the victory. Hopefully. More free beers for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I right. love when Cerrone fights. Uh, let's see. Komei, Anthony Johnson versus Glover Teixeira. Probably the best fight on the card. Most evenly matched, best fight on the card. All right. So here's my thing about this fight. If it gets out of the first round, I'm picking Glover to win. That's, that's it. That's every, every but Rumble Johnson fight. It's, and, but, but the other problem is. And have you not watched Embedded? It's a new Rumble Johnson. Cardio. That's, I mean, that's fantastic. But I think <laughs> the longer the fight goes, the more likely this fight is to hit the ground. And once it hits the ground, it's over for Rumble. Oh, it's I don't think, I don't think there's anything he can do to stop Glover from submitting him. But Glover's got to weather that first round storm. And it, it feels like everybody's had to deal with, with, you know, Rumble running at you and, and clocking you with the hardest punch you've ever felt in your life. You know, he did it against uh, Cormier, and Cormier bounced back. I don't know if Glover can bounce back in the first round. So I'm picking Rumble by first-round knockout. But I'm hedging my bet by saying, you know, if it goes after one, submission Glover to Sarah in the second and third. I hope you have to write an article, a prediction article, and you put that exact thing there. I would. And people would be like, you bastard. No, I'm hedging my bet because if this fight lasts more than five minutes, I can't pick Rumble to win. I'm picking Rumble second-round knockout. It gets out of the first. Early in the second, he gets Glover out of there. Because I think Glover's too smart. He's too good to be caught in the first round with just one crazy punch and knock him out. Uh, I think, you know, in the first round, Rumble maybe dominates on a feet for three minutes to start the fight. Glover finds a way to take him down, bullies him for two minutes on the ground. People are like, oh, Glover got him down. It's going to be his fight in the second round. And Johnson comes and knocks him out. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. There's, there's... Put my Mystic Mac hat on. Hey, we can, we can both agree this fight won't be going the distance. God, no. Somebody's getting submitted or knocked out. All right. Main event time. Nate Diaz, the rematch against Conor McGregor, the fight that I guess a lot of the world's been waiting for at welterweight. Um, uh, how, how at do, least that's what they tell us. Right. So how do you see this going? Yo, so I've watched all their fights again. I, I kind of get the same outlook I had going into the first fight. But the first fight, you couldn't judge cardio. You couldn't judge all of that stuff. It being at 170 pounds is always, you know, just a crapshoot. But I'm still picking Conor McGregor. I'll pick him by, what, a unanimous decision. I think it goes five. He pushes Conor as far as he can be pushed, and Nate can take a beating. But Conor has to do what people before him did so well. He has to slow down the pace. Nate fights slow anyway. Nate's not necessarily going to knock you out. So you slow down the pace. You let it draw out, and you kick the hell out of Nate's front leg. Because Nate's a great boxer when he's a southpaw. When he is orthodox stance, he is pretty shitty. I'm just calling a spade a spade. It is what it is. Ask RDA how Nate Diaz is as an orthodox boxer. He took Nate's lead leg out in the first two minutes of their fight, and Nate had nothing for him. Connor has to kick him to the body, take out that front leg, and that'll be it for Nate. And Nate turns, as soon as he turns orthodox to protect that leg, Connor's going to crush him. And that's what I see the fight going. If Connor is smart, if his team looked at as much film as they should have and put together the right game plan, which is just kick his lead leg, that can happen and they'll be fine. Um, I'm picking Connor. I don't love my pick, though. And the reason why I don't love my pick is. 
uh, while I agree with you with the RDA Nate fight, kind of doesn't kick. He's not a great person who does throws leg kicks. Um, what I've watched in a lot of his sparring is him closing his stance, which means he's going to box a little more and slide. Um, slide out of Nate's range because Nate kind of he throws he doesn't throw wide but he throws slapping type of punches and a calculated Connor can win this fight by five round decision a knockout would only happen in the first or second round I don't see Connor in any way getting past three four and five and knocking him out my problem with my pick is Connor going the distance and still having the cardio to do, do what he does in the first round like we'll know everything we need to know about this fight after the first round and Connor's cardio, he should be better there, but he's never went five rounds. He's never, never went any, and going against a guy like Nate Diaz, who's naturally going to be a little bit bigger and has done this before and weathers the storm often, as the fight drags into the third, fourth, or fifth, just like the Glover to Sarah and Anthony Johnson fight, I get curious about Connor getting taken down. And if he gets taken down, the trouble that he may be in, and if he gets taken down, it'll be out of exhaustion. He but, seemed to be able to, you know, until he gave up his back, an idiotic move. But even in the first, he's able to slide and roll with Nate. And Nate's wrestling wasn't a problem for Connor. The jujitsu is a problem. But Connor seems to be able to wrestle with Nate and, and regain position and, and escape. And when he's fresh, be able to do all of that. Like you said, cardio comes into play. Yeah, man. But the, the wrestling isn't that much better by Nate Diaz. No, it's not. And that's why, like, I don't see Nate taking Connor down in the first or second round. I think, you know, rounds three, four, and five, if Nate pushes Connor against the cage, drags him down, this becomes a drastically different fight. Yeah, the clinch, the clinch is where Nate lives and where Nate is amazing. But yeah, I don't see Nate shooting for a single and taking no. Connor down. The reason Connor hit the ground last time is because he went to the ground. So, so in order for Connor to win, the, the thing that has happened is he has to control the distance throughout the entire fight. I don't see him throwing a lot of late kicks because it's just I haven't seen it in Connor's arsenal. Um, but in order to beat Nate, he's going to have to go to the body. He has and to go it, to the body. That's something he didn't do with great frequency in the first fight. He tried to knock his head off, and he, he burned himself out. Nate can take a punch. The only time he's been knocked out was against Josh Thompson, and that was via head kick that caught him cold. Um, the, the other time that Nate was finished was against Hermes Franca years ago. He's only been finished twice in his career. I don't necessarily know if a, a featherweight moving up to welterweight can do that against Nate Diaz. So I'm going to pick Connor, but by the slimmest of margins, to win like a 48-47 decision because he starts off quick and he somehow he manages to hold on to win this fight. I think it's going to be really close. If Connor's going to knock him out, he's going to have to do it quick. But if he doesn't win that first round, for whatever reason, Connor loses this fight. Oh, no comeback for Connor, huh? Nope, I don't um, see it. No, no, I see Connor getting out to the fast start. Um, winning probably the first two rounds. Nate's weird though. Nate's gone the distance, but when he goes deep, you know, outside of um, maybe you know his last fight before Connor. Um, usually, when he goes deep, he's getting pummeled in those last rounds. So it's not like he goes deep and he, and he gets better either. Usually, no. his, his face is bloodied. They take him to the ground, and he's just there throwing middle fingers at people and taking elbows to the face before the last you know two three rounds of a fight. Yeah, so I, it's not like Nate does great in the later rounds either. So um, I, I'm not boosting Nate Diaz to be unbeatable because he beat Connor once either. Like, I'm trying to keep everything in perspective. And Nate is still the same fighter Nate's always been. And if you can make him fight orthodox, you, you take him out of his game, however you may do so. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see kind of doing that. I, I just think he's going to have to fart. F- fart. <laughs> Damn. I'm tired. Um, he's gonna have to fight a very smart fight, and just he has to control a lot of things. That Nate's gonna fight his fight. Nate's gonna come to you. Nate's gonna. He's gonna try to uh, go to you into exchanges and, and fight his fight. Kind of smart and fight. He fights a point style fight. He wins this fight. Yeah. If he if he slow tries- the pace down. Connor, every other Connor fight I saw, that was another thing I, I noticed while watching tape, is Connor's pace is always slow, methodical. Spinning, you know, spinning back kick to the stomach, circle around, taunt the guy a little bit. One punch jab, circle around, two piece combo, circle around, wait for the opening. He did it against everyone else. Against Diaz, he was so hyped up, he just ran, 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 ran. And the pace was way too high. That's not how Connor fights. That's not his championship recipe to fighting. And if you slow down the pace, Nate will slow right down with you. And he'll just say, oh, you're a pussy. You keep running. Oh, the guy didn't want to fight me. It's like Nate's not going to attack anybody. He's going to wait for you to come in, and you dictate the pace. And the, the other interesting thing is, you know, if you look at Connor's record, um, you see the Diaz loss, obviously, in the second round. You see he knocked out Aldo in 13, 13 seconds. He knocked out Chad Mendes, who essentially got off the couch and was burnt out by the second round. Uh, Dennis Fasivas not in his 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 league. Dustin Poirier he caught cold. Diego Brandout was not in his league, but he flattened him. Um, and then he went the distance against Max Holloway, where he apparently got injured. We have never really seen Connor get pushed past the second round. It just hasn't happened. So that's where all the intrigue lies because Nate's only been five round once, and that was against Benson Henderson. Um, and but those you, last two weren't great yeah. rounds. So you tend you lean towards the the notion that Nate is a little bit more better well versed in his cardio because you know he went three with Cerrone and won that fight he went three with Michael Johnson and won that fight so you you look at the three round the shorter term and you say okay well Nate has a conditioning advantage there how that works into the five round scheme of things it's going to be interesting but Connor's got to start off winning rounds early I I just don't know how his body holds up late I don't know what you know like you got to get rid of all this spinning shit. Because that burns you out. Actually, I hear Rodriguez in his fight a couple weeks ago. You do all the tricky shit, you're gonna get tired as shit by the second or third. By the third round, you'll be exhausted. So he's got to fight a he's got to fight a well paced fight. Don't know if he can do it. I'm picking him, but I'm struggling with this pick. Uh, I don't wouldn't think be surprised a, to see anything. No, I wouldn't. I, and I don't think Nate's a better fighter. I think you know. I think Conor is the more talented fighter with the, the better uh, cage IQ. But when you're fighting at welterweight, it's a different story. Hey, styles make fights. This might just not be his style preference. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right, if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card, right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, 
do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, so we got to talk a little bit of boxing. Even though it's been kind of a, a, you know, a calm summer for us in the boxing world, a lot of stuff is coming up. And it starts this weekend, Errol Spence in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, Bundu, he'll beat the shit out of Bundu, win that. I'm, dude, I'm not excited about boxing at all right now. I'm sorry. This is even hard for me to talk about. Like, just kind of sitting here, like, Errol Spence fighting in Brooklyn, great. He beats on somebody. And then hopefully we get to see him against better competition because he's ready. He's been ready. Um, I don't like we'll be at the fight. I'm not watching this. I'll probably watch this shit on like Sunday. Nope, Monday because we're watching SummerSlam Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to watch it on Monday before Raw. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to fit it in, tell you the truth. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough. But I mean, yeah, Errol Spence has got the goods. If you're not ordering UFC 202, for some reason you're not watching NXT TakeOver – and you're, you have nothing else to do with your life, you should watch Earl Spence because he's got the goods. Excellent fighter, fighting Bundu's whatever. But you get to see one of the, the best talents in boxing uh, show off what he's got. Um, have you watched any of the Olympics boxing? I've seen a couple of matches. I didn't see the controversial one that just happened with the Irish boxer. And I really should go back and watch it. Um, I read Ioli's stuff on it. And it was so intriguing. I was like, man, I should kind of watch the fight. But it seemed like, you know, the judges being dismissed and everything. It's wild out there right now. It's, it's, this is the Olympics. Olympic boxing is like the worst shit ever. Um, when it comes to point, like this is points fighting to the lowest degree. Uh, because you never know who's going to win. There's nothing you can do. Um, but have you got a chance to see Shakur Stevenson? No, I know McGregor. I know Mayweather. Called him the next Floyd. He said that about like five different people, Man, included. Ain't nobody listening to Floyd about who's the next Mayweather. Is the kid the real deal, though? He looks good. He does look good. Um, from what I've seen, you know, the movement, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of like Errol Spence. Um, I just, it's so early, man. Like, I, I, he's already signed to the money team. Um, he's going to oh, come home. No yeah, wonder. Yeah. I mean, go figure, right? But, you know, Olympic boxing, like, I don't see guys like when I saw Lomachenko in the Olympics, I was like, shit, he's for real. Um, he looks good though. You know, even Errol Spence, I was like, ah, oh, he looks pretty good. But then when he started turning pro and the shit I saw when the headgear came off, different type of fighter. We'll see. But yeah, the Olympics is, you know, Shakira fights for the gold on Saturday night. Something else I won't also be watching live. I'll have to catch it on replay. Um, but, you know, I guess this is Boxing's Future Stars. I don't know. I, I I can't get too wrapped up. I'm watching like Usain Bolt highlights. I can't watch too many amateur boxing highlights. No, definitely. Uh, it just doesn't capture my attention. Like it's just too pitter patty and everything's so calculated. And then at the end, they don't agree with what my eyes say and how the fight should have gone. So it just frustrates me. Um, I've watched more Greco-Roman wrestling than I've watched boxing. In these Olympics. Kind of tells you a lot about the state of boxing right now. It really does. And people thought, you know, what, wasn't wrestling just counted out completely for a second? 
from the Olympics. Yeah. It, it came back, and I'd rather watch that than boxing. That's yeah. interesting. I'm I'm looking to see like okay, which one of these guys might be the next MMA superstar? Yeah, I mean that's why like we watch you know wrestling, we watch judo, and we were like, man, what happens when they get to MMA? You don't ever see a boxer and be like, man, I wonder what happens when they turn pro as much as you do these people. It's just the state of boxing. Speaking of the state of boxing, uh, so HBO has declined to pick up Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas, which has <laughs> led Bob Arum to put on his own pay-per-view, something that he's done before. Um, but he's trying to find a home out of ESPN. I know he's looking at Turner and uh, Showtime. What does this tell you about Manny Pacquiao? No one wants to see him fight anymore, unless it's against a Floyd. Unless you know what, Manny Pacquiao is now the B side of every fight that he's in moving forward. So either either you give him a real opponent, or you tell the man to sit at home and be a senator. That's it. Crawford hmm. would have been picked up. Say what you want. You know, people would be like, "Oh, I don't want to watch that fight." What Crawford versus Pacquiao would have been picked up. Floyd versus Pacquiao is getting crazy money. Anyone else? No. Maybe Canelo versus Pacquiao. And that would have been a drubbing. It's it's just HBO. Um, they knew they, they know what's going on here. It's like we gotta we gotta I think we talked about this a lot last week, is we got Ward Kovalev two weeks after this fight. So for you to ask us to promote a Jesse Vargas fight that nobody wants to see, and for us to expend our energy at all on that fight when we need to focus in our production, our pre-fight packages, everything needs to be focused on Ward Kovalev because it's the better fight and it has the potential to be a bigger fight with a potential superstar, I guess, winning if Andre Ward wins. I don't, I don't know how far you can you know, travel with the word superstar here, but yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the business of promoting a Pacquiao-Vargas fight that's going to bomb no matter what we do. There's just nothing there that's going to make people want to buy this fight. He's coming out of retirement for money. Yeah, that's it. And he admitted such. If, if that's your game, don't say it. Just keep that close to the vest. We don't got to know. We know, but we don't really have to know. Like, this is, it's a horrible fight. And maybe this leads top rank to Showtime. And maybe this is the start of cross-promotional work. And it's a blessing in disguise. But for right now, it's a shit show. And I, I can't blame him. HBO won't make any money off of that. Nah, it's, it's too hard, man. It's... Nobody wants to see Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas. We have been covering, I've been covering boxing for almost a decade. I don't want to see this fight. I, don't, I, have, I have no desire. And I'm going to have to cover, like, we're going to have to cover this fight. But you know how hard this is? Like, because in my case, you know, I cover for Ring Magazine. You know, I do some stuff, I do stuff for Yahoo Sports. But then I write for, like, mainstream outlets. And, you know, usually I can pitch a guy to a mainstream outlet and get some coverage there. I don't see any mainstream outlet going, you know what? I want a piece of that Manny Pacquiao-Jesse Vargas fight. Nobody <laughs> gives a fuck. It's, it's a hard sell for me. So it's like diehard boxing outlets are the only people that are going to care about this fight. And, and, and even us, as diehard boxing fans that we may be, like, and this is on pay-per-view? Come on, man. Nobody wants to see this shit on pay-per-view. No one's paying pay-per-view to see this shit. They're waiting the extra week and just catching it on, well, you can't even catch it for free on HBO. I don't know how people are watching this, <laughs> tell you the truth. It's just like, you better make a lot on the gate. That's it. That's, that's their only hope. Honest God, right now. They um, gotta, them tickets are going to be cheap. <laughs> oh, my God. There's yeah. a lot of, you know, there's actually a lot of fights scheduled to come up in boxing this fall. 
Which one does entice you? Like, which one you're like, okay, I'm actually excited to see that fight? Because I saw the Canelo undercard, and I'm like, meh. No, like, they, dude, that's another fight I want no part of. Like, like I'm so glad that I'm fight's glad not, it's not here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the first like, thing I thought. I was like, damn, I'm glad that's not here. Like, I was looking at the fight, and then, you know, when Billy Joe Saunders refused to fight Gabriel Rosado, that took him out of, basically out of the running for the Canelo fight in December, which they're trying to do. But you look at that card, and you're like, who gives a shit? Like, there's nothing even re- relatively intriguing on there. So the only fight I'm looking forward to is Ward and Kovalev as of right now. I don't care about nothing else. That's the only fight that has a lot of intrigue. Like, I mean, the, the Gennady golovkin Kell Brook fight, which is in a few weeks, um, I want to see it. Is it that but, close? Yeah. Damn, I didn't even know. Exactly. But, I mean, it's overseas. It's going to be big. Uh, I want to see it, but I don't think there's... This is not the big drama show. Is this is going to be Golovkin beating the shit out of Kell Brook? Which, in a bizarre sidebar about this, is the fact that Kell Brook was ten pounds heavier than Gennady Golovkin at the thirty-day weigh-in mark, which was insane to me. You know, considering that Kell Brook fights two weight classes below. Gennady's a small dude, though. He, but that, that's what I've been trying to tell. Like people, are like you should fight light heavy, dude. I've went to the gym. I've hung out with Gennady at Big Bear. He is the size he is. He's very much like Floyd Mayweather. They stay the same size. They don't. Their weight doesn't go up or down very much. Kell Brooklyn is like 170 something pounds. This fat boy is gonna get knocked out. <laughs> it's definitely gonna slow him down. Yeah. I'm not sure how the weight gain benefits him. Uh, maybe Absorb he's hoping. Punches? Yeah, I, I don't know. It just turned you into a body bag. I, I don't know. I don't know. So with that being said, I'm looking forward to Ward Kovalev. There's a lot of intrigue there. I really don't know who's going to win that fight. I think. War can, you know, technically dissect Kovalev, but Kovalev is an underrated boxer with immense power that we know about. I have no idea which way that fight's going to go. I'm looking forward to that. Everything else, whatever. No, I agree. It's, it's War Kovalev. Everything else is a distant number two on the list. Um, but that's, that's boxing right now. That's the state of boxing. We, we saw Keith Urban versus Sean Porter. It lit up the internet. Neither guy has been booked again. It's boxing. <laughs> it's like, I don't, it's like, I don't yo, know what to say about give them the rest of the year off? Like, what's happening right now? Um, it's a weird place we're in as, as far as boxing is concerned. So hopefully we get some more good fights. Hopefully there's more announcements. But right now, that's all there really is for the fall. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you are satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards a Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. Make it happen. 
But now it's time to get back to talking combat sports. So remember, if you guys are in Vegas this weekend for UFC 202, check out the Las Vegas Fight Shop as well. They have tons of gear, tons of merch. If you're watching SummerSlam from a distance, make sure you pick up all the dope wrestling gear in there. I have to go back this week and get my certified G's t-shirt to support <laughs> Enzo and Big Cass. Um, yeah, it's one of the best places on the strip. It's inside the Planet Hollywood Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Make sure you guys stop through. It's you know, just walk around the Miracle Mile. You'll find it. It's right there. You can't miss it. My base Sasha Banks cutout is in the front. You'll find the shop. Uh, it broke my heart that she got married, by the way. We didn't discuss this on the show. No, nah, because you were too heartbroken. Yeah, she married the seamstress. Mm-hmm. But I did, <laughs> I, I did my Googles, and the divorce rate is still hovering around 50%. And she's young, got a chance. I mean, yeah. Uh, Pro wrestling divorces have to be at like the 70% clip. Duh, that's got to be like 93%. Yeah, so now, who's now still married? To, who's a pro wrestler who was married during their tenure? Who remains married to this day? Well, like Mick Foley? Was Mick Foley married through his entire thing? Entire Hulk, thing. He's still with the mother of his children. Um, Hogan split with his wife after, like when his career was in the twilight. Yeah, and I'm sure he was hitting everything moving anyway. I'm okay with her cheating as well. So um, yeah. as long as monogamy isn't a clause in there in their marriage. I'm definitely okay with that. Uh, Ric Flair's had, what, seven, six wives? Something bananas? He's he's like big love. He's, uh, he's Mormon. I mean, <laughs> Polygamy. Trips and Stephanie probably have, like, the longevity award, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, you know, you they... divorce the boss's daughter. Exactly, and you're on the road together, so it's like, I, that doesn't count. I'm just talking about people who marry regular people. And try to have a wrestling career. No one marries regular people. Brock Lesnar married a wrestler. Everyone marries a wrestler. Sasha Banks married the seamstress. You think that seamstress has any chance with Sasha if he wasn't knitting clothes for NXT? Proximity is a mofo. Yeah, it is. It's like high school. You'd be like, yo, how'd you get that person? And you just, proximity. It's it's like a giant call center. That's what the WWE is. (laughs) Yo, if you ever know anyone to work in a call center, everyone it's hitting everybody else. And people be pulling the baddest, baddest chicks out of a call center. You'd be like, yo, how you just, like, hey, they're just, you're trapped with someone for 12 hours a day. Yep. I worked at many call centers before I, I started with my writing career. So it's like, I, I know that struggle. This is going to turn into the Andres Hale was a savage before marriage episode. We're, yeah, we're not, we're, not doing, <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that. So before we get into the SummerSlam, we had two, we had a, a, quite a few wellness suspensions this week. Um, Alberto Del Rio, Paige, and Eva Marie. What the shit? What the hell is with Eva Marie? Like, her husband went to Twitter and was like, my wife was wrongfully suspended. Well, sir, yeah, I I don't believe you. Um, Paige and Del Rio, that I could have saw coming. There was the pictures of them chilling in Vegas, and she's wilding out on the strip, and, like, she had to get, like, carried back to her room or something. Um, Liquor doesn't do all that. No, I mean, we know, like, with Paige, she has Wild Child written all over. And Del Rio has, like, Grandpa trying to tame the Wild Child, so he tries to keep up with the Wild Child. So whatever the hell that they're doing, like, I don't know if there's, like, Coke Party. Like, I have no idea. I have no idea what they're doing. They never released the details on these things. But um, all three are having 30-day suspensions. And it hurts Del Rio the, the most out of everybody. Even Marie, they can keep the gimmick going where she doesn't show up. The announcer gets his check by teasing Even Marie and then what, saying whatever. They play the music. That, that's fine. Paige, when she comes back, it's not like 
it's not like the Divas division or the women's division is really missing her right now, even though they kind of are, but I think people have forgotten about her. So when she does come back, it's like, oh, great, somebody to feud with. Um, but Del Rio, on the other hand, look, look, I see this guy going to Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, New Japan. Like The WWE is just not working for him at all no, in any he's, capacity. He's going to be out. Um, and I think they're trying to split him from his girlfriend. Um, they're probably just not great together. Um, they're not what's best for business at this you point. Know. They split him up in the draft. They're doing everything they can to kind of save Paige at this point. And so Dorio's like, all right, whatever. Paige, I think it hurts her because I thought she could have a nice little feud and run against Nia Jax. Nia needs an opponent. Um, Paige kind of fell into a weird babyface zone for a second. And I, I thought that'd be a good matchup for both of them and make them relevant instead of all these squash matches for Nia, which isn't bad, but sooner or later she needs a legit rival. So yeah. I, I thought that'd be a cool number one contenders type feud for Raw. That's out the window. And then you look at SmackDown, and even Marie's probably hurt the worst, in my opinion, because all reports coming out say that SmackDown's Women's Championship will be debuted at Backlash September 11th. And Eva Marie was set to go against Becky Lynch for that title. Yeah. And with all this craziness and never wrestling, I thought she was going to win the title by small package. Like, just come in and get the roll-up. So, I, I don't know what to think now. Now, Becky Lynch has to go into a program with someone else for that title and probably win it. And how? who knows how long it'll take Eva to bounce back from that. Maybe Natty is going against Becky now um, for that belt. It, it, it throws a lot in the air, and they were putting a lot behind Eva Marie. And just the entrance. They devoted a lot of story time to Eva Marie, and it sets her back. She doesn't have that time to waste. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a mess. I mean, even Marie, you know, regardless of how great she looks and how great a ring entrance is, she's still trash. So maybe she works on her skills for the next 30 days. And, and I don't know how much longer she can work on her wrestling ability before she finally gets it. But she's, Yo, she's terrible. not young, by the no, way. No, she's not. She's not. She's not at all. She's like 33 or something. She's a legit 10 years older than Sasha Banks. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, she looks phenomenal, but I don't, you know, this she would she would have been great for the Braun Panties era, but you know, she's here now. Amazing so. for the Braun Panties era. She got a little bit too much work done on the face from from my liking. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a fan of people getting work done. Period. Um, I understand, you know, like yeah, somebody like your tits. That's about that's about where it stops for me. When you start getting your ass done. And yeah. you start getting your face done. You start looking like a different person entirely. Um, I'm yeah. okay with the fake rump. The fake rumps have grown on me. I'm not, man. The Dr. Miami much. just put some I, fat into the rump. That They don't look bad. They look fake. They look terrible. Okay, listen. If you have thighs, you can get your rump done. Like, there's only one way to get it. Is If you're a thick chick already, you get the lipo up top, shape you out, add it to the rump. It's great because you were thick already. It looks natural. Now, if you're a beanpole, like 140 pounds, and you got to borrow someone else's fat and inject it in a rump, and you got the tiny stick legs, don't do it. She looks stupid. She looks so stupid. That's, that's okay. If you want to get your Nikki Bella on with the fake boobies, that's fine. Uh, shout out to Nikki Bella. She's coming back. So maybe she takes, you know, maybe her debut is now against um, Becky Lynch, and maybe they go for the belt on SmackDown. Her hubby's on SmackDown. I don't see why they would split them up. 
Um, so that'd be great. I, I think Nikki Bella can step right in and be like even Marie who. Yeah, who knows? All right, so let's see what else we we got. We had two go home shows this week on Raw and SmackDown. Um, let's start. Let's talk about Raw's go home show, which started with Roman Reigns, had a middle of Roman Reigns, and it ended, ended with Roman. Roman Reigns. It's a Roman that, Reigns sandwich. Why is this happening? Because Vince McMahon still loves Roman Reigns. What oh, do you mean? Like, <laughs> you know, we, like we talked about what Vince is responsible for. This is what Vince McMahon is responsible for. Listen, you got to take the good with the bad sometimes. Like, but this is bad. It's always it's, been bad. It's, it's two years of bad now. Let, 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 let's start with how Roman Reigns has been booked into this Rusev feud. First of all, he crashes Rusev's celebration. Like, Rusev is supposed to be a scumbag, essentially. He's a hilarious scumbag. He's probably one of the best mic workers on Raw. Like, he's great. Like, he's been excellent whenever he touches the mic. But, you know, he's kind of just celebrating that he got married. Like, his nuptials. And Roman Reigns comes in as a douchebag and inter- interrupts his nuptials. Uh, his celebration of his nuptials. Like, never has Roman Reigns said in this feud, I want the U.S. title. I want to bring it back to America. He just wants to be a shithead and get involved in Rusev's, Rusev's feud. So Yeah, start- I don't think Roman Reigns is Mr. America, though. I don't think you go that angle with Roman Reigns. Well, you don't have to necessarily go that angle, but why are you feuding with Rusev? It doesn't make any sense. And for, for somebody like Reigns, who I guess... They're resetting him, and they're going to push him slowly up the ladder, like, oh, U.S. title. Or maybe he loses by shenanigans, and he gets back into the world title, the universal title picture. But this feud it just doesn't make any sense. Like, nothing about this has been intriguing to me in the sense that Roman Reigns, he's, he's not a good smarky guy. Like, his, you know, his little jokes and shit are corny. Um, and the fact they gave us a 20-minute main event of Roman Reigns beating Rusev on Raw was like the dumbest shit ever. Decent match, though. Yeah, but why do I want to see it again on Sunday? I don't know. I'm assuming he's going to lose on Sunday. He has to. Like I said, shenanigans. And it's going to be a program building up you know, to the next pay-per-view in which he wins. And I don't mind Roman Reigns winning the U.S. title. Not now, but you know, at the next pay-per-view and having uh, Rusev win now. It was stupid to have it go off, but they do this stuff. It's not nothing. It's nothing new. They love booking matches and... One guy wins, that means, and we all know this, that means, hey, you're going to lose. It, it is what it is. You're going to lose on Sunday. Just, and then the program will continue. Um, Roman holding the belt just means a lot more for a lot of other people. Uh, I would love to see Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns for a U.S. title. Uh, Kevin Owens needs to be just in a title picture. But for that to happen, you need baby faces to hold the belts. And right now, we don't have that on the, on the Raw side. I mean, I just don't want to see... I, this entire feud is just stupid. Like, everything about... Like, the, the way Raw was booked on Monday night was stupid as a go-home show. Finn because, Balor, Demon Entrance. Oh, we already argued about this on, online. So let's, let's start again. <laughs> this, to me, this was the biggest, most egregiously stupid thing that they could have done. Because you talked about the Demon King... And first of all, and I'm sick of the term Demon King, by the way. And I'm sick of hearing Seth Rollins say it because it sounds like Demon Kane, and I can't tell the difference. Yeah, but, that's the bad part. And when the Demon King, just call him the Demon. Why are you yeah. messing up stuff that was in NXT? It's, they're, like, they're like adjusting the, it to, to, for mainstream audiences. So they give him this alternate persona, and they teased it last week by mentioning it. Now, I think it would have been just as effective to see video packages from NXT to tease the, the demon. Instead, in the second or going into the third hour of Raw, 
they actually brought the demon out and did his entrance and had him step into the ring with Seth Rollins. And then the two exchanged punches, like, I don't understand why they had to do this for two reasons. One, why don't you just save the big reveal for SummerSlam? If you weren't watching the SummerSlam before, you, you still aren't going to watch it. Like, nothing about this made you want to buy SummerSlam. If you have the network, you're watching this shit anyway. But the other thing is, you know, the, like, Corey Graves kind of did a good job of explaining, like, you got to tap into the deep, dark thing. But it didn't seem like Finn Balor was kind of doing well by himself before he, he needed the demon to fight Roman. I mean, Seth Rollins. Wouldn't it have been better if Seth Rollins beat the shit out of Finn Balor on the go-home show and forced the demon to come out at SummerSlam? That's how it's always supposed to be. That's how it was built up at NXT. I don't know why they're messing up the blueprint. But to me, it's not as egregious as it is to you and others. Um, there's, I, just from the responses and comments, a lot of people had no clue about the demon. He was just on the poster. Um, they had no clue that Finn had an alter ego because they didn't take the time to build that up in previous weeks. Um, it was just like, oh, okay, Finn, they're announcing Finn Balor. Oh, he shows up as a different guy. And people were expecting him to be scary, like The Undertaker. And all this. It's like, no, he's not a scary guy. This is just like, he's like a comic book hero. It's like, you know, sometimes Clark Kent can't handle business. You got to throw the cape on. It's that type of scenario, and they did a horrible job of building that up. But casual fans just had no clue about this side at all, and they were selling this at SummerSlam. I would have been fine if they just sold regular-ass Finn Balor at SummerSlam. Don't even mention the demon, and then just have him pop up. But that's that's my point. That, like... and, but they did it, and as long as his entrance is grandiose at SummerSlam, I'm okay now. Now, now it's revision. All right, cool. Y'all messed up. You better throw the Triple H-style budget at my boy Finn Balor. I need, like, 20 extra demons. I need him just bat wings coming up from underneath the stage. I, I need some crazy shit to happen. I, I need real fire. Give me, like, whoosh, real fire behind him. Everything. Just so you can make it stand out. And I don't want to see the exact same entrance I just saw. And in NXT, they did a good job at, you know, varying the entrances. For pay-per-views. We only saw the real true demon entrance, what, maybe twice? Then everything else with variations. I just need another variation. I just, I'm not, I don't have a lot of confidence in the WWE. And I feel like... And you know they're going to put a crown on him. Triple H loves crowns. Christ. So it's going to be Demon King, and he's going to come out with a fucking, the the dreads and a spiked crown. Like, like, Like Jesus. You know, I hate, like, sometimes you have to go back and just kind of fantasy book your shows. And... I feel like the fact, like the, the biggest issue I had with this, and I mentioned this a lot, you know, is that they did this, they didn't do this to end Raw. Like, they kind of made this a footnote. And it's supposed to be a big deal. Like, this is Raw's title, the Universal Championship. Now, I'm, I'm wondering what's headlining SummerSlam? Is it going to be Orton and Lesnar, or is it going to be the Universal title? That's a good question. I don't think anyone has that answer. Um... You're putting a lot on Finn in his pay-per-view debut to headline it, right? You, you kind of are. But, you know, if you're going to push him to the moon and you're going to strap the rocket to his back, you need to do it properly. So if you give him the big entrance and he loses, like he can't afford to lose now. No. In, in, in this really strange way, it's like you can't turn him into Bray Wyatt. And that's what I'm getting concerned with. Because you can't have Grand Bray Wyatt with this amazing entrance and this amazing character and just lose all his matches. 
And for Finn being, yeah, it's like I get it. Casual fans may have been like, oh, I didn't know who Finn Balor was. What's his theme and character? That's great. But if they was going to watch SummerSlam anyway, reveal it there. Like, give, like tease it with the video packages. Let Seth Rollins beat that ass. And then give us a reason for Finn to need the demon. Like, he needs to take things up another level. This is just like, well, I'm just going to change clothes for the next fight. Like, that's what it looked like. And then I'm going to give you a preview of my fashion show on Monday Night Raw in Corpus Christi with a shitty crowd in the second hour of a go-home show that sucks. Like, that, ent- the entire thing, I felt like just knocked some luster off of Finn's character. The booking definitely hurt him. Um, it, once again, they need something bigger for him coming out of this. A lot of people are expecting uh, the club to win the titles, the tag team titles. And for somehow Finn to win the Universal title and they all stand in the ring together at the that end of SummerSlam. That shit ain't happening. Um, I, I don't know. They just need something. Something, something, something uh, different and unexpected. And I, I'll wait. I'll wait to I'll reserve judgment until I see how the end of SummerSlam happens. And we'll um, all be together, I believe, at your crib. So yeah. we're all going to be there. We'll find a way. Maybe, you know, we'll hit up Twitter or I'll, I don't know. I got to research video chats. We're going to do something so the fans and the listeners can be there with us and we'll see. They'll get our reaction. And after that, then we can rip Vincent K McMahon. If he messes this shit up, Finn, Finn, Finn is almost impossible to mess up. No, he's not impossible. He's not bulletproof, but almost. Yeah. It's, it's just, like I said, there's a number of scenarios that could possibly happen. It's like, well, we haven't seen triple H in a while. Maybe triple H comes down and, and teams up with Finn and kicks Seth Rollins to the curb and turns Seth Rollins to a face. And Finn's now aligned with triple H and that he's triple H's boy. Like there's, there's been scenarios thrown up. Maybe the, you know, the bulletproof Balor club is formed. all these things. But I kind of think you just need a clean finish at SummerSlam for this new title. You know, unless you're doing something really, really big, and I don't know what that really, really big thing is going to be. Um, I just didn't like that. Um, let's let's kind of also move on. My favorite thing on Raw though was the Heath Slater Brock Lesnar se- segment. I thought that was phenomenally like so well executed, and it's making Heath Slater like a bigger star than I think the WWE is even noticing right now. Oh, Heath Slater is going to be completely over in like two months. He's he's keeping it going. I love the whole like free agent Heath Slater thing. Yeah, and I mean the segment where you know Brock is like, I don't give a shit about your kids. Perfect. You know Heath wants to fight Brock because he's got mouths to feed and he's a free agent. Like everything about that was picture perfect. And you know um, people don't like people floating between brands during a brand split, but having a free agent trying to earn a contract and just make a living between brands. It's genius. Yeah, and you know, I think it would be, um, it won't happen, but I think it would be fun to force Heath Slater through NXT and force his way to work his way back into the main roster. See how, how behind him the fans can really get. The problem with the WWE is that they kind of lose interest in things like this. Like they lost interest in Zack Ryder when Zack Ryder started getting really hot. Um, but I, it, I think this was just the best part of the show, uh, of, of Raw. Everything else was pretty shitty. Um, we still have a couple questions about the brand split that could get really fun. Like, what happens when people are ready to be pulled up from NXT? Do we have a, a lottery system? Is it like, you know, whichever ball comes out of the, the little pop-up joint, they get that character? Um, do we see the GMs pick the best person from one of their rosters to wrestle a match? 
and the winner of that match gets the next free agent. There's a lot of different ways you can go. Yeah, it's a lot of interest. And you don't have to ignore each brand. You don't got to completely split each brand um, to the fact that you never see the other person on this brand. And they showed that with Daniel Bryan already. Ugh, that we ag- that. we acknowledge, but I'm saying they acknowledge that there are two brands. Heath Slater yeah. is acknowledging that he needs a contract from one, and they can make you know NXT the minor leagues. They can make it college football. They can say Heath, go down to NXT. If you make your run there, or if you beat you know Shinsuke Nakamura, then you can come up here. And then one week, you know he's not on either show. He's in NXT, and then he comes back. And it's a great play on three separate companies. And they have so much in front of them, they just have to know how to use it correctly. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I mean, we'll see. I think a lot of things could be shaken up after SummerSlam. Uh, what else happened on Raw? Uh, Sasha Banks played like the ultimate heel in commentary when during Charlotte's match. There's nothing we- better than heel Sasha Banks, by the way. But I think it's it's kind of confusing for a lot of people that when you see like Sasha, and I, I get it. I think I like it. I think just people are like, isn't she supposed to be a face? Why is she acting like a complete douchebag? And then, no, you know, she's Dana. She's an asshole. She just cries all the time. Yeah. And then, like, Dana Brooke comes out and, you know, Charlotte puts on the figure eight. Cool. Leads up to a great match. Uh, Titus O'Neill and Darren Young, like, figure something out with this shit because this is the dullest, dumbest feud that we have right now. I'm just waiting for both of them to get cut. <laughs> I mean, at least, you know, the best thing they could have actually done if they were really, is just form the primetime players and send them to SmackDown. Or something of that nature, because they're just they're doing nothing on their own. Same with Neville, doing nothing on his own, but waiting for the cruiserweight division to happen. And I'd like to say thank you, Raw, for giving us a best of seven series between Cesaro and Sheamus, because that's what we asked for. Come on, man. We just saw Cesaro beat Sheamus two times in a row, and now we're going to start a best of seven series? Cesaro and Sheamus, like Cesaro needs to go to SmackDown tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if uh, people get traded. Once again, a lot of intrigue still left in the brand split. Um, SmackDown's go home show was better than Raw's. Yeah, Dolph, Z- Dolph Ziggler is. I mean, he's proving his worth. Um, I just don't know if that leads to a title change. Yeah, but great promo work by Ziggler. Uh, being the ultimate underdog works for him, and him yeah. he's being just brutally honest, which is great. Yeah, and, and, and I mean the super kick at the end of the promo with Dean was excellent as well. Definitely. Um, so that I'm liking the Ziggler. In the main event angle more than I thought I would. <laughs> I will admit that. Uh, do I think he should hold a belt? Probably not. But if they gave it to him, you know what? He worked his ass off for it. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I still don't like his moveset. But the guy worked his ass off for it. He's cut great promos. And they they did their job and they got me invested in the feud. That's all yeah. I can ask for. You know what? It was a feud where I was like, Dolph Ziggler won that, what, is it Battle Royal or something? Like Dolph Ziggler won? Are you kidding me? And then now it's like, okay, dope. Like I'm into the feud. Yeah, I can see did. how these guys go back and forth. They did a good job. Um, there's there's one a couple things that make this all interesting. Like you look at the SmackDown roster, it's super thin. So we got like the scene in AJ Styles match we're getting at SummerSlam. We're getting Ziggler and Ambrose. We're not getting any American Alpha, which is kind of troubling now because now you're starting to think. You know, in, in Finn Balor's case, a lot of the people didn't know who Finn Balor was. Like, the casual fan is still learning who Finn Balor is. But you have no foil for American Alpha and SmackDown to really put them over. Which is odd, because the VOD villains just came off of a title push. Yeah, but they've been buried, like, tr- like American Alpha would be best. How do you get buried that quick? Like, just put them, they just came off a title push. Hey, you, this, is what I was, this is what I was about to lead into. 
Vaughn Villains got buried after a title push, right? Like immediately. And, you know, they, they're like non-factors. What about Sami Zayn? He won at Battleground, got picked before Kevin Owens, and he doesn't even have a match at SummerSlam. He doesn't even have a program. We're starting to see the cracks in the, the brand split right now. Like they overstacked Raw, assuming they had to fill a three-hour show, and then realized, like, ah, you know what? It's not that hard to fill a three-hour show. We kind of have too many damn people. Yeah, like, dudes. And the cruiserweights. They're just like, yo, nah, like, we kind of overbooked this. So maybe we see, which would be great, like, uh, maybe three or four unutilized people revolt against Raw and say, you know what? We're out of here. We're going to SmackDown. And then they just leave. They got to do something. I mean, something has to be done. Because the tag team picture in SmackDown is floundering. Um, The women's division, same thing. I mean, we're getting a tag match. Uh, a three-on-two now, now that Eva Marie's out. Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Naomi versus Natalia and Alexa Bliss. Like, none of that screams, like, doesn't that scream to you, like, these girls should just be on Raw? Just send them to Raw. Make the women's division a little bit thicker. Make them better. Yeah, that's so, horrible. They, and they got to add, like, somebody, right? Yeah. got to find somebody to add. You can't have a three-on-two match. Uh, that's how they have this thing booked. But it's just, it, it's, it gives more time. Like, Kevin Owens is not involved in a program heading into SummerSlam. No. I mean, not Kevin, Ke- not Kevin Owens. I'm sorry. Kevin Owens is in Jericho. Which with, is a horrible it, program. So he's not in a program. It's yeah, a one-off. It's really a one-off, but it, I think it's, like, at least Jericho and KO have made it fun. Like, their promos have been great. Um, but Bray Wyatt not being involved in a program heading into SummerSlam. Like, how is Bray Wyatt and Sami Zayn and American Alpha not involved in this at all? Oh, I but, think we see Bray Wyatt. You, where do you think we see him? In the main event? I mean, in the uh, in the Ziggler uh, Ambrose match, correct. And they hinted towards that. They've planted the seeds, and I think Bray Wyatt, regardless of who wins, is the next feud with the champion. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, perhaps. And I think they've separated him from uh, uh, from the Wyatt family, and he's he's going on his own. But man, I just think there's some really strange booking heading into SummerSlam. Yeah, um, so Bray, I think uh, he's entering a program. So I, I think Bray is fine. Everyone else, he has problematic. All right, so let's actually start giving. Let's give our SummerSlam predictions because you know we gotta wrap up the show sooner. Yeah, or it's like, gonna take forever, right? Uh, yeah. Um. All right, let's go. I guess up the list: Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Naomi versus Natalia, Alexa Bliss. Um, Becky Lynch gets the pin. Yeah, I don't care. Yep. Uh, Cesaro versus Sheamus. Sheamus will probably win the first match because he's lost two before the series even started. So, if this is gonna be a best of seven series that we gotta be tortured through. Um, and I've never seen a best of the seven series end in a sweep. So Sheamus will probably win the first match. That would actually be very dope for it would Cesaro be. to sweep him. But I'll give Sheamus the nod, too. Um, the Miz versus Apollo Crews, which I didn't mind the promo on SmackDown for this, except that they protected Apollo a little too much from speaking live because a lot of his mic talk was during the break. And yeah. then you came back from the break and you, they just replayed it. I wonder if that's their version of, yo, he's not ready for live television. And this is how, in case he fucks up, we can re-record it very quickly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what they're doing with Apollo. I'd like to see Apollo get a title so they give him some meaning. Uh, the Miz, you know, it elevates him with the title, but he doesn't necessarily need it. So I wouldn't mind seeing Apollo Crews becoming the IC champion and becoming a workhorse on SmackDown, taking on all comers. Just don't know if they're going to go that direction. Yeah, I think Apollo loses this one because the SmackDown pay-per-view is so... It's right around the corner. It's three weeks away. Yep. Um, so I think he loses this one but wins it at 
what is whatever the next pay per view is. Backlash. Yeah. So what we got next? We got Enzo and Big Cass against uh, Jericho uh, in a tag match. Enzo uh, and Big Cass win. Yeah, I figured that and maybe there's some dissension between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho because they've been playing buddy buddy so tough. Um, if Enzo and Cass are going to make a run for the tag titles, because what I think will happen in the next match will lead us there, uh, they have to win and go over clean against Owens and uh, Jericho. So yeah, I'm picking Enzo and Big Cass. I agree. I'm picking Enzo and Big Cass. I think KO then turns on Chris Jericho for getting pinned, and KO elevates himself to that heel role again, and he's ready for a meaningful program. Not one against Chris Jericho. True. Um, New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods versus Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, and I think the placement of this, the choosing of these two men for the New Day is very precise. Yeah, I mean, with Big E out, this is the most vulnerable the New Day has been. Um, and with Gallows and Anderson, you, they're, their, you're, they're your only real heel tag team. We've seen dissension with the Dudley boys. Um, so somebody's got to win and have to move into a few with Enzo and Cass. So that means to me that Gallows and Anderson need to win the tag titles. Agreed. I have Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson winning. And uh, it bring me to a point where we'll touch on here in a second because we got, believe it or not, more wrestling to talk about after SummerSlam. Um, but the club is running the world. Three promotions they could headline in the past two weeks. It's true. How crazy is that? Three major pay-per-views. They're yeah. headlining in the past three weeks. Bananas. Um, but I have the club winning this. Yep. Uh, then we have Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Singles match. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, at first I thought, you know, this would be Sasha's big moment, but she had it on Raw. So... Does she give back the title and extend this feud? I think so. I think Charlotte may win this match and, and, and extend this feud because Nia Jax isn't ready to be involved in this. And plus, with the suspension of Paige, um, we need to keep this feud going because I think we're, they're going to give them enough time for a great match and Charlotte will somehow pull this out. I think Sasha Banks wins. I think after Sasha Banks wins, Nia Jax attacks her, and they don't care if she's ready or not. They don't care if Apollo Crews is ready. They don't care if anyone is ready. Your ass is up. Your ass is contributing. And uh, these squash matches weren't for no reason. So Sasha Banks wins um, in a great match, you know, that highlight-type match. She's celebrating, and Nia Jax comes and wrecks her shit. The, the reason why I don't see that happening is not only because Nia Jax isn't ready. I don't think she's over with the crowd yet. And I don't think the WWE is not is, – in establishing the women's title and establishing the women's division, like you need your top few to have your two best wrestlers. And a Sasha Banks-Nia Jax feud will not have your two best wrestlers. You have so, two months to build it though. So That's a long time because what does Charlotte do in the interim? Charlotte has to go um, – she has to – I don't know. I, I would Ex- book exactly. you know, Paige – for her, um, probably, but I just never know which way it goes. Oh, and by the way, the Natalia Alexis Bliss, they'll probably need a third person now that Eve Marie is gone, and I think we see the return of Nikki Bella. Yeah, I don't give a shit. But I th- going back, like I think Charlotte has to win this. I think you have to extend this feud. Like I think you have to buy time for the women's division to kind of round itself out because Nia Jax winning squash matches and not really getting over with the crowd is not really going to put her into a title picture with Sasha Banks that you're going to build for two months. I think that's a waste because you can squeeze out 
a great series of matches with Sasha and Charlotte. You can't do the same with Nia Jax. And you can't, like, pushing Charlotte out of the title picture completely and into a meaningless feud with nobody who's been built up yet doesn't make any sense either. Like, maybe this leads to Nia Jax injecting herself into the feud, into a triple threat. But I don't think there's any reason to go with the Sasha and Nia Jax promo right now. Well, I'm okay with that. You know, keep Charlotte around. That, that's fine. You know, just have Nia Jax come out and wreck the both of them after Sasha Banks wins. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the only logical thing I can see. But She's I, even more beastly if she beats the hell out of both of them. Yeah, it's just like she's just not ready. She's so green in the ring. But and then we'll, for the two months, you know, Dana Brooke would be like, how'd you beat up my friend? And then she could wreck Dana Brooke. And then, you know, you push her into the triple threat. So that's good. And they'll carry her. If yeah, they have to. They have to. And then, have uh, to have to carry her. We have Rusev versus Roman Reigns. Like I said, I think despicable, heinous acts by Rusev to beat Roman Reigns that I will absolutely cheer for. I, I don't want to see Roman Reigns win this title. I think Rusev has been great. Um, Do you don't know you're now it. picking Roman Reigns to lose three major main events? Yes, and I, I'm fine with that. In I one feel- month. I don't think the WWE is fine with that, though, which is why we'll probably see Roman Reigns go over. But him winning on Raw is usually the death knell to losing at the pay-per-view. So I'm going to pick Rusev maybe by DQ. Or maybe, maybe Roman wins by DQ and doesn't get the title, and Roman gets to be crazy Roman and beat the shit out of Rusev. I don't know, but I just don't want to see Rusev lose that title. Yeah, I think Rusev wins just because what we saw on Raw. So I think Rusev carries the title over, but this program's long from, from over. So I think these guys carried into whenever the next pay-per-view is, probably October for Raw. Um, we have Cena versus AJ Styles, a match that hasn't gotten any TV time. John Cena's been away doing God knows what. And the feud has kind of died down. A feud that was great on the mic. A feud that's supposed to carry SmackDown, or at least help, um, hasn't been doing so. But yep. it should be a great match. I think AJ Styles goes over. Once again, Continuing the pattern of the club dominating everything they touch. Yeah, I agree. I think you know AJ's AJ's kind of built for the next few for the title. I, I don't know how this works. I'm with Bray, AJ, you know, it, it, John Cena. I don't know who he feuds with. I mean, this this the picture is muddled, which I kind of like in SmackDown because I don't really know what's going to happen. Oh but yeah, I, maybe Bray attacks Ziggler, costed him the belt. Those yeah. two break off, and AJ slides in. Like we don't know how this plays out, but I think the best thing to do here is is establish AJ Styles as your top, probably your top heel because you have two faces facing off in the main event for SmackDown. So have AJ Styles go over on Cena and have, I mean, I don't know, I don't even know if this ends their feud. You know, I, maybe they rematch again on Backlash, but I think AJ Styles' big moment needs to happen at SummerSlam because he didn't get it at WrestleMania. So have him go over clean on Cena and do whatever you want with him after that. You know, maybe they fight again at Backlash and then you prop AJ up after that. But we'll see. I just think this, this will be a great match. This kind of has lost some heat. Yep. Uh, Ambrose Ziggler, world championship match. Mm, God. I, I feel like it's too soon to take this, the title off Ambrose. But I just, I wouldn't be mad if Ziggler won the title. I wouldn't I, be mad. He's earned, you know, he's worked his ass off, but I think Ambrose wins. Yeah, I think, I think they've kind of put stuck the flagship on Ambrose, so Ambrose kind of has to win this match. But I think it would be great, a great twist of everything if, if Ziggler wins this match. They just have a rematch in three weeks of backlash. I think Ziggler, should, he deserves his moment as well. And champions have just been holding this title like, the, like it's no joke. Like, what, eight months at a time, damn near? Yeah. I don't count Triple H's little run in between Roman Reigns. Well, you forgot about Sheamus, too. Everybody forgot Sheamus. It helped oh, the shit, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, <laughs> exactly. that was in scramble mode. Because yeah. there was an injury. 
Once again, yeah. everyone else was just briefly touching the belt so Roman Reigns could be the pursuer and stay a babyface, which was a horrible move. Should just went heel and held the title the entire damn time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to pick up my pick is Ziggler, but I think the WWE's pick is Ambrose. Okay. I'm picking Ambrose. Uh, Balor versus Rollins. Balor can't lose. Demon I, King. You know, if the WWE really wants, to, really wants to fuck this up, go ahead and have Balor lose as the Demon King in his first big match on pay-per-view. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't fuck this up. Don't be stupid. Don't do it, Vince. Um, nah, Trips ain't going to let that shit go down. He's going to be like, hey, Pappy, this is something we can't, it's not negotiable. Right here, my boy is winning. Um, so Finn wins. He, he wins the belt. I don't know if you see the formation of Bulletproof Balor Club. Uh, AJ and the club were split for a reason. Gallows and Anderson. So we'll, we'll see. This might be the formation of that. Or if not, it's definitely the reign of Finn Balor. And it'll be, I think these two continue as well. Rollins can't go anywhere besides the main event picture. He's too damn good. Yeah, no, he's got to stay around. Um, so if the main event is going to be Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton, I'm going to pick Randy Orton to win this match. I think nobody's really picking Randy Orton to win this match, which is and SmackDown needs a boost because that's another guy that's going to enter into the title picture or some meaningful feud. Maybe he feuds with AJ Styles. But I think you need to keep Randy Orton strong because you know he's going to be around every week. And as much as I, as much as I like Lesnar... He did fail this drug test, the UFC 200 200 thing. Maybe this is some kind of punishment. Maybe they finally put somebody over on Brock Lesnar. I mean, what? It's been since... Was the last person to go over on Eddie Guerrero? Clean? Yeah, Um, like, in general? Undertaker? Undertaker than Eddie Guerrero before. Well, Undertaker didn't... I mean, that wasn't even clean. I mean, you'd have to probably go back to... um, What was it? John Cena Extreme Rules? When Lesnar first came back, yeah, that's deep. I and think it's the last person Cena that went got over, wrecked after that. Yeah, I think it's the last person that went over completely clean on Lesnar. Listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what it was. Um, so I think Randy Orton, you know, with his character change, shift more towards the face. There's a lot of, and with SmackDown needing the push as a show as a whole, because it's not like Brock Lesnar brings extreme value to Raw. Raw is going to be the flagship show regardless. I think Randy Orton needs to win this match. No, I think so. I think Brock, you know, he leaves again for a couple months. Like, that's it. Like, there's no other pay-per-view to stick around for this time. He's not going to fight in October. We won't see him until, what, Rumble, maybe? Rumble is, we'll probably see him in Survivor Series. Survivor Series and then Rumble. So, I have Randy Orton taking the win. RKO out of nowhere. Um, RKO at F5 somehow. It's going to be something special. Oh, that should be incredible. And that's how, if if that's the main event, that's how you end the night. Yeah. So, I'm not mad at that. Uh, yeah, that's SummerSlam, though. So we ran down the list of SummerSlam. Uh, just a couple more wrestling points to talk about before we get out of here. New Japan Pro Wrestling, G1 Climax. We've been following it the whole time. And damn, did the semis in the final live up to it. Look, um, I've been watching the G1 Climax, like, religiously now. This, I think, is my fourth year in the row, actually watching almost every single match. This might have been the great final stretch, greatest final stretch of matches that we've seen um, and a surprise, too, because a lot of people expected, like, Naito versus Okada, Naito versus Tanahashi, and we ended up getting Omega versus Goto in the final. But prior to that, we got a five-star match with Okada and Ishii. We got a five-star match between Okada and Tanahashi that ended in a draw, which was excellent. Amazing draw, because I swore that handle was going to come down before the time limit. 
man. So then we got that. Then we got Naito and Kenny Omega, because Kenny Omega has kind of been cruising through the G1 and put on the performance of a lifetime against Naito. And that was, in my opinion, I'm going to watch it again. I think I've watched like one and a half times. I'm going to watch start to finish again. That, in my opinion, was a five-star match. And then the Goto Omega match, because you didn't know what was going to happen, because Goto's been such an underdog who never wins in the big match. It's kind of been like the Ziggler of New Japan. And Omega was kind of like wrecked after the semi-match. Dude, and, and they put on a great match. Yeah, oh my God. man. It was, and we once again, we see a member of the Bullet Club coming up big. Man, but I mean, what, what a final stretch of matches for this tournament. The New Japan does what the WWE does not do is set up excellent feuds because now you set up kind of this Okada versus possibly Marafuji who beat him in the first uh, match of the tournament or Bad Luck Fale or a rematch with Tanahashi at the next, uh, what is it? I think it's November is their next pay-per-view yeah. in New Japan. So you set that up. But now you have Kenny Omega waiting in the wings for a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. You have Naito who's, it, it, when he wrestles at the Tokyo Dome, the dude is immensely over. Um, and you set up so many things. You know, the Tonga Battle of Fale finish, it kind of teased Tamatanga as a face. Uh, then you had the, the New Japan versus Noah. Did you watch that tag team match where Shibata split his head open from head, head button dude? No. Oh, my God. No, I only watched the tournament matches. So if you go back and, and watch the finals, um, day 19 of G1, and there's a New Japan versus Noah match. And Shibata is kind of the leader of the New Japan movement versus the, the Noah feud. And Noah got booed out the building. In this match, Shibata actually headbutts the shit out of, I can't remember who. I can't remember who he does. But he busts his own head open and there's like blood streaming down his face. And it's like this excellent visual, which there's going to be like a great New Japan versus Noah feud. And the brawl that happens afterwards is like this is booking at its finest. Like this is... This is what the invasion angle should have been, even though it's not really an invasion. It's just two promotions squaring off against each other. But it was so, it was done so well. Um, New Japan just, they, after the, the exodus of all the talent, they're still on top of the world when it comes to pure wrestling. Michael Elgin looked like a million bucks in this tournament. Oh, he's great during this tournament, right? Crazy. Yeah, like Tomohiro Ishii looked. He probably is the MVP of the tournament because he had, like, the greatest string of matches. Mara Fuji, they brought shit out of him that we haven't seen in years. Like, he's looked – and then Omega winning the tournament threw a curveball to everybody. So, I'm – man, I'm all over it. This Yo, is, it's, it was a great year. Great matches. Uh, they're all on New Japan, um, the network they have. If you guys haven't seen it, go back. Check it out. It's worth your time. If you don't got time this weekend, all right. We won't, we won't crush you over that. But go back next week. Watch some of the matches. If you only watch day 18 and 19, it's worth your while as a wrestling fan. I, I suggest Japanese commentary. Those guys are hilarious. No, I mean, you know. And like they be seeing, wilding out. <laughs> seeing, seeing how everything is done um, and how they, they've handled everything. It's like you have to watch it. Like, Yo, has Jap- the crowd been better to you this year? I feel like the crowd is a lot different, a lot more into it. I mean, they're, they're just kind of always into it. I mean, the Tanahashi Okada match, I mean, you had women crying in the crowd. Dude. Like, I'm a WWE fan because that's what got me into wrestling was the WWF. But New Japan is, is, I think, in terms of a pure product, is just a better product right now. It's just more fun to watch. But they stick to their guns. Like, they've had the G1 established for 26 years now. The best tournament on television. They're not reinventing the wheel every other day and panicking. And they don't have, 
you know, stockholders. They, yep. they don't, that's the key. They do what they do. They don't reinvent the wheel. It's, you know, they lose someone, it's next man up, and everyone delivers. Yep. It's just a great tournament. So, yeah, do yourself a favor. Watch those matches. Watch Ishii and Okada. Watch Omega's final two matches. It's just everything. Everything is awesome. Um, <laughs> ROH has a pay-per-view this weekend as well. Uh, Bullet Club running ROH. Yeah, um, Adam Cole should be beating Jay Lethal for the title. We're actually going to that. It's Friday night. We should see this. Um, but, yeah, another Bullet Club push. And we get the Bullet Club B team in Vegas, which kind of sucks. Um, we don't get, get the A team. We don't see Battle of Fala. We get to see the Gorillas of Destiny. Like, I don't want to see that shit. But, but yeah, ROH pay-per-view should be good. Uh, we get a, And it, here's what the thing that sucks about this pay-per-view, and it doesn't necessarily suck, is like we're getting to see Okada and Shibata and Tanahashi and Elgin. I feel bad for them because they just went through this 19-day tournament, and now they're going to come all the way to Vegas and perform for us. Listen, that's their job. I'm with it. Uh, Okada versus Downton Castle is just probably highlight of this pay-per-view for me. Yeah, I mean, the finish, um, we all know how it, Dalton Castle's not going to win this match, but it's what Dalton Castle does with Okada, which will make the match. Which would be amazing. Um, and then we get to see, and I'm not sure exactly who he's wrestling, but Will Ospreay makes his debut. Where? I, I thought he was making his debut, his ROH debut today. I have heard nothing of the sort. Um, if he does, that would be amazing. I, I haven't heard anything about it, but that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, let's see. Ring of Honor debut. I, I believe this is the night. <laughs> so, if listen, it, be prepared to be surprised. Mm. Well, I'm here for it. Whatever happens, happens. But Yeah, I mean, but that that's going to be another thing. Uh, what else did we have this week? We had, oh, no, scratch that. He's not making it until November. Ain't that some shit? Yeah, I figured that was, too, too soon, too soon. No, yeah, November because the pay-per-view's in the U.K., Friday, yeah. November 18th is when Will Ospreay makes his debut. I hope it's versus Leo Rush. So, you know, if I get my way, that's the match I would love to see because I just want to see some dope flippy shit. <laughs> let's, let's bring it back. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, this is going to, I mean, this entire card should be pretty good. Um, but yeah, that Leo Rush and, I mean, that, that match is stacked. Um, uh, Jadrick should win the match because he's like the muscle and they should give him a push for the television title but yeah um, man what else? Uh, we had CWC matches this week that were pretty good they were decent it just it wasn't as good as what we just saw with Cedric Alexander and Kota Ibushi the week before no the star power wasn't there Tozawa was pretty good though um, good push by Tozawa yeah yeah definitely good push uh, Tozawa looked great um, I've always like been a fan of Tozawa so to see him go over was was excellent. Um, Brian Kendrick getting the win of Tony Nese was that was a good match. I was I was almost surprised because I really thought Brian Kendrick was going to lose this match, but you could tell like Daniel Bryan pushing for him was kind of a funny thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's cool. You know the redemption story is back. He's losing next week, obviously. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a great story for now. Uh, what else do we have? The last thing NXT Brooklyn. We just have to preview that card before we get out of here. Card might be better than SummerSlam. I mean, in terms of wrestling, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's as good as last year's card. No, it won't be as good as last year's card. I I don't think... It could surprise you. It could. It could. All right, I'll put it like this. I don't think it'll be good from top to bottom as last year's card, but I do think that we'll probably... I hope we get match of the year with Joe and Nakamura. 
that's very possible. But match of the year coming off of what we just saw in G1, yeah, well, it, I don't, it's I, damn near like I'll, I'll just say a candidate in WWE. Like I, it's I mean you're this could be having, the greatest stretch of wrestling, the greatest one week stretch of wrestling I've seen in a long time. True indeed. Um, so let's run it down real quick. Ember Moon's making her debut against Billy Kay. Obviously, we're going to get to see that, that corkscrew stunner. Ember Moon goes over. Yes, Ember Moon is... I wrote an entire article on her yesterday. So dope. Can't wait. Yep. Uh, no Way Jose and Austin Aries, finally, the feud finally culminates. Um, do they put No Way Jose over as a serious competitor by having him beat Austin Aries? I think um, Aries has to win. I, I think they need established people. I'm not sure if uh, he can take that loss. But now everyone can be undefeated. So it's no. very rough. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of think Austin Aries needs to win this match by pulling the tights or doing some dastardly shit. Um, you know, but we have to establish No Way Jose as an actual competitor rather than a sideshow. So, and I think they have with the scary Jose. Yeah, so this could go a long way. Uh, the Revival versus Gargano and Ciampa. I think this could be the best. It will probably be the best tag team match out of all the cards we see this weekend. Um, I think Dawson and Wilder retain. I think Gargano and Ciampa but, get it. You know what? Let me change that. I think you're right. The same reason, because the next men up exactly. are heels. Yep. And you exactly. need the face to hold the belt so the mm-hmm. authors of pain can challenge for it. You're exactly right. I'll switch up. Uh, Gargano and Ciampa should, should take the titles in an excellent match. Um Bobby Roode versus the Chippendale uh, Andrade Almas. Yo, I don't, I don't want to see Almas again until he gets his mask back. I'm over it. Get him out of here because they've ruined they, – this is one thing that they've botched tremendously. Get trips on the horn right now. Tell him, bring the mask back. Yeah, but Bobby Roode is, is primed for a heavy push in NXT. He probably has the second best intro with that glorious theme music. We're going to see the robe. It's like the male Eva Marie. Yeah, like he's – Look, Bobby Roode has been top shelf talent since TNA days, and he's been biding his time for a big push. And he won't—he probably will hang around NXT for a little bit because everything's so cluttered in in the main roster right now. But this guy is ready, and he should just definitely go over on Almas at, at Takeover. Yeah, great promo work. Um, Almas might need a few losses, like a few really big losses in a he row. Needs, he needs to disappear. No, just give him a few big losses. He say, you know, he he lost his way and he has to return to his roots and throw the damn mask back on. <laughs> they gotta do something. All right, Oscar and Bailey. Um, I feel like Oscar just has to go over in this match. I, I, what? Yeah, I mean, dude, it's if the main roster picture wasn't so cluttered in the women's divisions, I would say that Bailey's got to go now. Like this needs to be Bailey's go home, go to the main roster show. This is what it should be. Like, Asuka should go over on Bailey. Asuka hasn't lost yet. Asuka, once again, you can only be undefeated for so long. I don't mind Asuka staying undefeated. Because then, then you can have her and Ember Moon eventually feud with each other. But Bailey has had the title. Bailey has had her run. She needs to put on an excellent match, cry, and go to the main roster. Damn. Um, you might have convinced me. And I don't like flip-flopping, but I got time. Fuck it, I'll pick Oscar too. You right. make you make a good a good case for that. So Bailey's gone, Oscar wins. Um match of the year caliber. Samoa Joe versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Who do you got? I got Joe, man. I think as much as we love Shinsuke Nakamura, I don't think the right thing to do is take the belt off of Joe right now. 
I think I think these two need to have one hell of a few, and I think Nakamura is the one who's undefeated who has to lose because he can he can survive a loss and extend this feud with Joe to try to get the title in, in another match. But I think you know to have Joe lose and kind of fall back on the title picture is not the best thing. Um, There's Joe, no one else ready to jump up to the title picture. Exactly. So I think that in, this is where Joe needs to to show that he's the champ for a reason. Um, we, and we love Nakamura, and everybody loves Nakamura, but I don't think him losing makes us love him any less. Joe needs to put on one of those great performances and beat Nakamura in a knockdown, dragout match that steals the match of this WWE weekend. I agree. I think Joe wins. I think they continue to feud. Uh, it's the kind of same blueprint they have with Finn versus Joe. You know, Joe lost, and he didn't take a knock. He just came right back. Yep. So um, Shinsuke can lose. He can come right back and say, hey, we're doing it again. Um, I do think for the next pay-per-view, Bobby Roode finds his way into that match. He possibly. I mean, he I, possibly. I think we have a triple threat for the title, which I don't believe they've done yet. No, they have. I mean, I don't think they've done. They haven't done an NXT takeover triple threat. They've done four ways, but not the triple. Four threat. ways, no triple threat, and not with guys like this. No, so I mean, there, there's a few ways they could go. I, I don't necessarily know if they throw Bobby Roode in it now. I think they're gonna get Bobby Roode over with a few other guys first. Um, you know, maybe he feuds with it's long time to November. Yeah, I mean, maybe he fused with a Tommy next because a Tommy needs something to do. He has had nothing to do. Oh, true. Um, He's not even on the card. Exactly. So. You know, but I think they extend this out, and I think that, that Nakamura starts to like chillingly start stalking Samoa Joe after losing to find his way back in the title picture. I just don't think you take the title off of Joe now. No, so. I agree. So we agree on all those matches. We had a crazy long show today. Yeah, Thanks man. everyone for listening. Um, we had to wait until Friday because so much was going on. We're going to find a way to get you guys involved with our viewing experience on Sunday because we're watching NXT. No spoilers. No spoilers on Sunday. All together before watching SummerSlam, so we're gonna be watching what eight hours of wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm gonna have, I'm have to throw a curveball at you guys because I'm trying to figure out how to to, to to shoehorn watching all this wrestling on a Sunday after you know, what we have to do at two o two on Saturday. But we're watching it. We just gotta. I'm just trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. Listen, I don't know. You tell me what time to show up at your crib. I'm going. You got the open bar because yes, you do. don't drink. So yes. we in there. It's going to be a good Sunday. Um, thanks all you guys for listening. You can follow us on social media at the corner LSN on everything. I'm at Kel Dansby on all platforms. Yep. And I'm at Andreas Hill. And until next week or later in the weekend, we're out. Peace. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.